0: episode is the re-release of our Change a Basis period podcast that was originally released in September 2022. As of now, all accounting year ends have formally moved in line with the fiscal year and everyone listening will now be preparing their personal and practice accounts to the 31st of March 2024. If you know you are affected by the change of basis period, this episode is going to benefit you directly. But please do share with fellow GPs who you are aware of that historically operated under a non-March year-end too. Accountancy on Prescription by RBP, one of the leading firms of medical specialist accountants. We know what you find tough, but don't you worry, as we know our stuff.
1: Hello and welcome to this episode of Accountancy on Prescription. I'm joined today by Jenny Stone. Hi Katie and I'm Katie Singer and we're both partners at RBP Chartered Accountants. Today we are going to be discussing something which will be very interesting and useful for a lot of you, something called the basis period reform and this might be something that you actually haven't heard about yet but if you have a non-March year end, your GP practice is a non-March year end, I think this podcast is well worth a listen. So I've come up with a couple of questions that I'm just going to fire at Jenny and she's going to come back with everything and let you all know just a bit more information about this, which is important and it is worth knowing about. So just going to get stuck straight in, Jenny. So what is the basis period reform? Right, Katie. So what I would say is, as you've said, this is
2: probably one of the most Significant changes since self assessment was introduced in 96 97. Although you probably won't remember that, Katie, you're probably still at primary school. I'm a little so- bit
1: younger, yes, Jenny.
2: <laughs> so, this is a major change to the way profits are going to be assessed on your tax return. So, just to explain what happens at the moment when we complete a tax return and how your profits are assessed. So, at the moment, we're in the tax year. 22 23. So the taxi runs from 6th of April 22 to 5th of April 23. Now, when we come to do those 22 23 tax returns, if you prepare accounts to 31st of March, then your profits for the year to 31st of March 23 will be included on your 22 23 tax return. So that's straightforward. However, if you do accounts to a non March year end, a non-tax year end, for example, the 30th of June, when we come to prepare your tax return for 2223, we have to look at the accounting year end that falls into the tax year. That sounds complicated, but if your junior end, the 30th of June 22 falls into the tax year 22-23. So that means if you do a June year end accounts, your profits from 1st of July 21 to 30th of June 22 are assessed in the tax year 22-23. But if you're on March year end, your profits from the 1st of April 22 to 31st of March 23 are assessed in 22-23. So you can see, Katie, that if you're June year-end or September year-end, you're paying your tax and your profits quite far in arrears. So what the government wants to do is they want to basically simplify the tax system and make everybody pay tax on their profits that arise in the tax year-end. So At the moment, for non-March year ends, it's the year end that falls into the tax year. But that is going to change to mean you're going to have to pay tax on profits to the tax year end, 31st of March or the 5th of April. Now, Katie, you and I both know that this is all in preparation for making tax digital and it is supposed to simplify it. And I think although this is a massive change and we're going to talk about all the tax issues, I think. But our clients overall, I think they'll probably be happier because it will simplify it for them. I know when I talk to clients who have, say, a September year end and I'm talking to them saying, well, you need to give us your personal expenses to 30th September. And then they might turn around and say, so, Jenny, my rental income, do I give that to September? And I'm like, no, that's got to be to the tax year end. And so they're dealing with two year ends, so accounting year end and the tax year end. And I know clients get quite confused about that. So I think it will simplify it for them. And I think our clients will be happy because also the 31st of March is the NHS year end, the pension year end. So although there's going to be some tax consequences that we're going to come on to, I think it will overall simplify it for everybody.
1: I agree. I think it's really confusing for those of you who are listening who have a non-March year end and you've probably taken a good few years to get your head around it. And now this is going to, whilst it is going to be A bit of a logistical nightmare for us accountants, and if any other accountants are listening, you will probably be quaking in your your boots like we are. But yeah, for you listening, you know, for those of you who do have a non-March year end, this will actually make the process a whole lot easier. So who exactly will be affected by this basis period reform, Jen?
2: Yeah. So as you said, Katie, so if you're listening to this and you do accounts to 31st of March or the 5th of April, to be honest, turn off the podcast. You do not need to listen anymore. This is only going to affect self-employed individuals. So obviously GP partners in practices, you are self-employed, who do accounts to a non-March year end. So that might be a 30th of April year end, a 30th of June, 30th of September, December, 28th of Feb. Basically, if your year end doesn't end in 31st of March or the 5th of April, you are going to be affected. And so it's really, really important that you understand the implication of what this means, because as always, it's going to end up with potentially could be more tax to pay. Also, if you're listening and you've got a limited company and you're saying, oh, I've got my company and it's a 30th of June year end. Again, switch off now. You don't need to continue listening. It's not relevant to limited companies because they are in corporation tax and their year ends will continue as 30th of June 31st of July because they pay their tax nine months after the year end so it's only relevant to self-employed individuals who do accounts whose accounts are done to a non-March year end or or not the 5th of April.
1: And when exactly is this basis period reform or when is the change going to happen? So, Katie, the change is going to
2: come in from the tax year from the 6th of April twenty four. So it's going to be the 24-25 tax year. So that's the year that everybody will pay tax on profits to the tax year end. So it's not that far away, Katie, is it? I know. That's why we're all kind of talking <laughs> about it. But what will happen is 24-25 is the year that the change is you will all have to pay tax on profits to March or 5th of April. But obviously there needs to be a transition. We've got to get from what we call a current year basis, i.e. you know, junior ends that are paying some quite fine arrears. We've got to get from that to the tax
1: year. So the transition year is going to be 23, 24. So am I right in thinking, whatever your year end is now, you will eventually end up with a March 2024, or 31st of March 2024 year end. That's the goal. That's where we're working towards.
2: Absolutely, Katie. Absolutely. The transition is 2324, 24 So that, that transition year means you're going to be doing accounts and paying tax on profits up to 31st of March 2024 or the 5th of April 2024. So just to say those five days You don't have to worry about it. So you don't have to worry that, oh, I do my accounts the 31st of March and the tax year end is the 5th of April. It's sort of seen as the same.
1: Yeah. Okay. So in practice, Jen, how's this going to work? And You did mention something about a transition period. So is there anything formal coming in?
2: Yes, yeah, so I'm going to go through this now. What
1: I would say is, if you're listening, what
2: we've also put together is a slide that we're going to put into the show notes because this is complicated. And I know when I talk to practices who've wanted to change their year end to 31st of March, it is complicated to get your head round. So we've done a slide which hopefully will simplify it, and I've done an example that I've put into the slide, which I'm also going to talk through. So. What I'm going to do, Katie, is let me just take one step back to when a partner joins a practice with a March year end, because what I want to do is just very quickly explain and then that will kind of relate to what we're going to talk about. So when you join a practice with a non-March year end, there are special rules about how your profits get assessed in the first three years. I'm not going to go into the detail of that because that's really irrelevant at this point now, but basically within those first three years is some of your profits get taxed twice, and these are called overlap profits. Now, when we say taxed twice, it's just that profits from one accounting period has been taxed in one tax year and another tax year. So they are called overlap profits. So everybody that does accounts to non-March year end has overlap profits you've probably never been aware about it, but there is a figure that goes onto your tax return that records what your overlap profits were. And they arose when you joined the practice, or in 96, 97, if you're old enough that you were a partner back then. So with the example that I'm going to go through, I'm just going to use a junior end. So if you joined a partnership where they were junior end, then your overlap profits would be equivalent to nine months of profits when you joined. So. However, many months profits it is is it's literally from your year end to the the thirty first of March, so in this example I'm going to use I've got this GP joined the practice and had overlap profits of 50,000 so that was equivalent to 9 months of their profits when they joined now what is going to happen when this basis period reform comes in and the transition year 2324 is we've got to basically catch up your profits to 31st of March so normally in 2324 somebody that does accounts to June will pay tax on their profits for the year ended the 30th of June 23. So 1st of July 22 to 30th of June 23, they are normally taxed in the tax year 23-24. So in this example, I'm going to say I've got a GP for the year ended 30th of June at 23, they had profits of 150,000. Now, we've got to catch up. We've got to catch up to the end of the tax year. So we will prepare a set of accounts from the 1st of July 23 to 31st of March 24. So we're going to prepare a separate nine month period set of accounts. Now let's assume that this GP's profits for those nine months is 120,000. So go on their tax return for 23 24, they're going to have profits from the 1st of July 22 all the way up to the 31st of March 24. So you've got the 150 plus the 120, so the 270,000. Now Straight away, we're looking at £270,000 of profit compared to normally one hundred and fifty. pounds That's a significant increase in profits and a significant increase in tax. But what happens is those profits, those extra nine months of profits that we've calculated from 1st of July 23 to 31st of, of March 24, the 120, what we can deduct from that is what was called their overlap profits. So, as I said, these are your profits that arose. When you joined, so that is nine months of profit, so we 're going to take off fifty thousand now, the whole issue with this is you are comparing nine months of profits now to nine months of profits when you joined. Now, if that was twenty years ago, your profit levels are going to be completely different. So in this example, i 've said this GP is going to have profits of one hundred and twenty thousand for those extra nine months to the tax year end. We're going to take off their overlap profits of 50, which means they've got additional profits of 70,000 that need to be added on to their 23, 24 tax return. So all of a sudden, profits that we're declaring is going to be 220,000, not 150. So I get asked a lot about, we want to change our accounting UN to March because it's in line with the NHS. And I do these calculations and there's always a big catch up of tax and everybody goes nope no nope, no nope, we'll carry on as a non-march year end but obviously this is being forced on to all non-march year ends it's a government change so that what they've allowed is what they're saying is those excess profits you can choose to spread them over five years so instead of taking that hit of excess profits of seventy thousand all in 23 24 you could spread it over the next five years so if we've got in this example excess profits to so 70,000 and we spread it over five years, that means we're going to add on only another 14,000 each year. Sorry, because I know this is probably getting complicated. So definitely look at the slide. So profits to 30 June 23 will run 150,000 because let's say this GP has chosen to spread their excess profits over five years, we only need to add 14,000 to that. So actually, the profits that will be declared in 2324 is 164,000, not the 220. So because it's a forced change, you have now got that option of being able to spread it. So I had a client that I was talking to recently about this. They were 30th April year end. And so we sort of chatted through about it. all. And they, they said, well, Jenny, should we change our year end now so that we're already ready? And I said, no, there's absolutely no point changing your end year now because then you're going to have to take that catch up all in one go. You need to wait for the transition year 23-24 because you can then have the choice to spread it over five years. So if you're sort of thinking, oh, let's change the year now, absolutely no point. Wait for the transition year because then you can spread those excess profits over five years.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've had some conversations, sort of bigger planning conversations. You know, we get conversations a lot about mergers, et cetera, just to be aware that this is something that could affect that too. So if you're thinking of doing anything, really do consider holding fire until the financial year has moved to March 2024 or any sort of coming togethers take place sort of with effect from 1st of April 2023 because that will effectively secure that transitional relief that's what it's called transitional relief for those practices who do have a non march year end currently No, absolutely. I was dealing with a
2: client who's looking to merge and they're a junior end. And I said, well, the moment you merge, you're crystallizing this excess profit. So you're Mm -hmm. going to have a massive tax bill. I said, maybe not delay it or do it, continue to do your accounts to June so that you can then benefit from the transition
1: relief. Absolutely. So you've talked about spreading this over five years, which is for people who are listening and haven't considered it massively. You know, if you were a retiring partner, you know, and, two years ago, you retired from a practice that was a non-March year-end, you wouldn't have had a choice. You would have had to pay all that catch-up tax in one go. I mean, obviously individuals in a non-March year-end, they sort of plan for that, whether you reduce your profits down over time or you just get ready for one big whopper coming at the end of your retirement. But for people listening now, that's not going to be the case. You're going to split it. But what happens, Jen, if, say, somebody does choose to retire during that transition period, during the five years, does anything actually happen? So if you choose to spread it over five years, and let's say two
2: years later, you retire, then obviously the balance of excess profits that should have been reported each year will all get added onto that tax return. So it will be that it will all get caught up, but it might be that you spread it over five years. So you've added two years on each year, and then you've got three years that are going to get added on on that final year. And that's the same if you merge. You know, basically, if you choose to spread it over five years and you leave the partnership or you retire or the business cease, so if you merge in and your business has ceased, that partnership has ceased, then obviously the balance of any excess profits will have to get crystallised in that final year. So I think if you were thinking about merging, and let's say you were merging with a March year end and you're a June year end and you're just deciding, well, what partnership do we add on to? I'd probably say the March year end add on to the June because at least then that business is continuing and therefore you can continue to spread it over five years. And the other thing, Katie, just to really mention is it is a choice. So you could choose to say, actually, you know, I mean, we've talked about, Katie, on the podcast, we talked about pay rises and that we expect profits to reduce, is if profits are reducing, this may have less of an impact. You know, this is more of a problem when profits are increasing. So it is a choice. You can in that year. And what I would probably say is you're not going to know now whether you want to pay the tax have the catch-up tax in year one or whether you're going to spread it over five years, you are going to have to wait until you know what your profits are and what the numbers look like. But kind of some of the things that, that I've been talking about with practices is, let's say you are a GP and let's say you're part-time and so your profits are always less than a 100000 so you always keep your tax-free personal allowance. Well, in the year of this change, it might mean that if you took the hit on all the profits in one year, suddenly you'd lose your personal allowance. So you might say, actually, I'm going to spread it over five years. Or it could be, but by spreading it over five years, you are losing the personal allowance for five years. And you might say, actually, I can afford to take the hit. I'm going to take it the hit in one year, lose my tax free personal allowance in one year. So then at least I keep it for the next few years. So, It is that decision is all going to boil down to what your profits are for 30th of June 23 or 30th of September 23 and then what the next ones are up until March.
1: Yeah, that's an excellent point, Jenny. And I know from our perspective at RBP, we will be obviously reviewing it. So as soon as our non-march year ends change, we will have background calculations for you all who are listening that are our clients. So we will know what those excess profits are. We will know what your overlaps are. We can have the conversation, you know, and it will differ from partner to partner within a practice because partner A might have been there 20 years. Partner B might have only been there for three. So very different setups. And we can give you the numbers. And you can choose. So like Jenny said, it might be that you've got a five-year period, you do year one, you split it, you do year two, you split it. And then you've had, I don't know, a big drop in your profits. And you think, actually, it makes most financial sense to get rid of all of the overlap, the rest of the profits in the third year. So by the end of the third year, you've caught up. And it will differ from person to person, to practice to practice. So be assured that behind the scenes, we will have all these numbers for you and we'll be keeping a track of it. You know, we're not going to allow it to go over five years, for example. You're never going to be added on more than you need to pay. So we'll be doing those background calculations.
2: And I think, Katie, as you've said, for our clients, we are already giving estimate figures. So I've seen a few practices now with their 30th of April 22 accounts. So we're taking along these figures doing estimates. Okay, we're estimating based on the profits this year, but we are doing estimates to kind of give you an indication. So if you're a client of ours, as Katie says, please be reassured as we come out and start seeing you with your June 22, your September 22 accounts, we are going to be bringing numbers so that you can at least be aware of what this could look like for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But also, I think it's coming for GPs anyway, it's coming at almost an okay time because profits are well we don't know we don't have a crystal ball but for those of you who are gp partners you will probably most of you will have been within a time the last two years of your income has been fairly inflated because of you know covid support effectively and with that ceasing we might see a drop we don't know but we might see a drop so and i think absolutely katie you you know when i've talked to practices about changing their
2: year end i always say you want to change your year end because of this catch-up when profits are falling rather than when profits are increasing. Because what you've got to remember is you are comparing, for say a junior end, nine months of profits now to nine months of profits when you joined. And like you said, Katie made a very good point, in a partnership that's going to be different for everybody. And again, just to say it's your individual decision. So you can have a partnership with five partners Two of you can say, actually, we only joined a year or two ago. We're going to crystallize it all in one go. And then the others can say, no, we're going to spread it. So interesting, when I went to see a of April year end, one of the partners had only joined a couple of years ago. And actually, his profits for the nine, no, it was 11 11. Were actually, were more, his overlap profits were more than current profits. So it was kind of, you know, he was in the reverse situation.
1: So he won't be too affected. So from a practical point of view, what does this mean if the practice pays the tax liability? Do people need to be aware of anything? Do practice managers need to be aware of anything? What's going to happen?
2: Yeah, I think, Katie, because I know when partners where the practice pays the tax, they kind of think, oh, I don't have to worry about my tax because it's all dealt with. It's held back from their drawings. It gets provided in their current accounts and they kind of don't even really give it much thought. But obviously the practice and maybe the practice manager it's going to have cash flow i think it will probably it will have cash flow implications you've got to think if you were a 30th of june year end you are paying your tax quite far in arrears so you often find practices where they're paying tax have quite a lot of cash sitting aside because we make provisions Mm. in advance for the tax liabilities so you've got to think that all of this tax is going to be caught up if you all decide to take the hit in one year, it's all going to be caught up and therefore could have cash flow implications. You know, even if it's spread over five years you can see in this example the profits are still going to be higher than what they were so I think there's going to be probably cash flow planning that needs to happen and also because obviously this hit is going to come in the January 25 so if we are putting on more profits in 23 24 the tax payment is going to be in January 25 and I know that seems a long way off but it's going to come round quick enough so cash flow is going to be really important that you know numbers that you can plan and also partners who the practice doesn't pay the tax and they save their own tax katie you and i know when we talk to people quite often they're saving their tax payments that they've got to pay out of current income so the tax payments relate to the previous year's earnings but they're saving it out of current income so if you're doing that then obviously this catch up is going to mean you're going to need to save more Mm. to meet those tax liabilities.
1: Yeah. And for for those playing through practices, a simple solution to it is just and it's not one we like, but it's it's a simple solution is you just need to reduce your drawings. So in Jenny's example, where an individual might be declaring an extra 14,000 pounds of profit per year spread over five years, in real terms for a 40% taxpayer, that's an extra five or so grand. It's a reduction in your profits of about 450 pounds a month, which hopefully for a lot of you listening, you draw comfortably. If you needed to take a reduction of 450 pounds, just to allow that you know, to mean that there's no cash flow issues with the practice, hopefully you can. I know lots of my clients, I always advise that they don't draw the very maximum they could draw because obviously it's very nice to be able to do that, but you get used to it. For those of you listening who are our clients, you'll know we do drawings projections. If you draw the very maximum you can possibly draw, it doesn't leave room for, you know, wiggle or room for error. If you're slightly below that anyway, then this might not even impact you at all. Uh, I know a lot of my practices, I don't know about you, Jem. They draw quite conservatively. Then they like it when I go and see them at the year end oh, yeah. and their current accounts have built up and they can take their little end of year you know, bonus, if you like. Because for many of you listening, that money that you get to take out your current account is you know, sort of tax-free, if you like. It's just your excess profits that you haven't taken previously. So for those of you listening, it might be worthwhile to just consider not increasing your drawings too much in the coming year, especially if you're in non March year end and you think, ah, you know what, I'm going to have this extra tax to pay. So maybe I'll be a little bit more cautious and just leave that money back just in case. I I think that's the thing, because I think especially if the practice pays the tax, we make provisions
2: against your current account. So we do reduce your current account balances for provisions of tax, but we are going to then have to make a bigger provision the catch-up of tax, which means your current account balances are going to reduce probably further than they normally would. Mm. But again, you know, we're a couple of years away. We've got time to kind of build up to that and make sure that there's enough provision set aside.
1: And so I think the only other thing left to ask you about, Jen, is, is there anything they need to consider to do with the pension or pension implications? Yeah, Katie,
2: absolutely. So if you're a GP partner, you know that you do a type 1 pension certificate. So, pension certificate at the end of the year. Now, when those certificates were introduced in 2004-05, they followed the tax rules. So, what happened was, as if you were a 30th of June year end, the way pensionable profits got assessed was basically the same as the tax rules. So, it actually means, and again, probably everybody listening has probably not an idea that this happened, but you've got basically pension overlap profits or pensionable overlap profits. So again, in this example, when I was talking about junior end and I said, you're going to have profits that were taxed twice, which has created nine months of overlap profits for tax purposes. You also have nine months of overlap profits for pension purposes. So again, Katie, when we see partners leave a practice or retire, there's normally this catch-up of pension, so larger superannuation shortfalls. But of course, what we don't know, because you know, the pension is not the tax system, so we don't know what the pension certificate is going to do. We get the pension certificate what, two months before it has to be filed and submitted. Mm. So nobody's probably even thought about this. But I suppose what we would hope is that if the pension certificate has always followed the tax rules, then in an ideal world, what would be really good is that we have the excess pensionable profits could be spread over five years because that's matching the tax rules. But actually, we don't know. So... What it will mean is, again, for all of you that do accounts and pension certificates and you have a non-March year end, there's likely to be a catch up of pension contributions. So more superannuation, which we're not going to cover this in detail. But of course, when we also look at annual allowance tax charges, Mm -hmm. yes, that's based on, we're doing a podcast on annual allowance and inflation, but it's also based on pensionable profits. So if you've got a catch up, if on that Final certificate in twenty three twenty four, you're going to have a bigger pensionable profit because you've got to catch your profits up. Then that could be also potentially bigger annual allowance tax charges. But again, as I said, you know we only know what the tax rules are. We have no idea what's going to happen with the pension certificate. I don't know whether they say you know what we're going to do the catch up all in one year. They may not do a spread of five years. We just don't know. But just be aware. So I think what we're saying here is cash flow, you know, this catch up, whether you do it all in one year, or you spread it over five, the tax bills, the increased tax bills are going to be the 31st of January 25. If the pension certificates are going to do a catch up or spread over five years, you're going to have bigger super and shortfalls that are going to be payable anytime from March 25. So 25 is going to be where cash flow And that's where, you know, you need to start thinking and planning, I suppose, now, really, because it's not that far away.
1: No. And actually, if, let's say, worst case scenario, the pension, there is no spreading relief, et cetera. And let's say they took all of these shortfalls on time, which loads of you listening will know, they never do. But let's (laughs) assume they do. They should, in theory, clear on your March 2025. Is that the right one? Yeah. Yeah. March 2025 NHS monthly statement as you know, they're normally delayed, but say they did, if that was a huge number that would go on your tax return and you'd get tax relief on it. So actually it might be, again, this is what RBP will be doing for you. It might be that if you have got a massive balance of superannuation due where you're going to get the tax relief, it may be worth declaring all your transition profits all in that one go anyway, and being done with it. Again, we'll repeat, Every single person listening today will have different setups. Those of you who are already out the pension scheme, opted out years ago, have already even taken your 24-hour retirement, this won't be relevant for you because you don't have contributions, you don't have balances to declare. So it will be done on an individual basis. So just 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 keep in contact with us and we'll be constantly letting you know.
2: Yeah. And Katie, actually, you've made a very, very valid point, is if in 23-24 we know we're going to have... Bigger pensionable profits. Then, just to explain, is tax relief on superannuation contributions is given based on the amount you pay in the tax year, not what's due for that tax year. But if we knew that in twenty three twenty four pensionable profits was going to be much higher than it normally is, then what would need to maybe happen, which would be a good thing, is to submit higher pensionable profit estimates. The PCSE take higher deductions during twenty three twenty four which would then also help to reduce taxable profits in the year when you've got a bumper year. So there are planning things that that need to be thought through. But as I said, you know, this is something we're we're already talking to our clients about and bringing projections to our meetings when we're sort of seeing our non-March year ends.
1: Sure. So hopefully for those of you who've listened, who do have a non-March year end, if you have a March year end and you listened all the way to the end, thank you so much. But if, <laughs> if you if you have a non-March year end and you've taken something away from that, just be aware. Saving and planning is key. And like Jen said, we will be coming with projections. We will be advising you. I mean, we can't say because we don't know your personal cash flow situations, but we can always advise what the best setup for you to be. Would it be to spread it? Would it be to pay it all now, et cetera? So just be aware that we are working on that behind the scenes, but just be keeping it in your minds that there will need to be some savings for tax or cash flow as we sort of approach January to March 2025, which is what, three, three years away, which it goes very quick, two and a half (laughs) years away.
2: And I think as well, just to say, and, you know, we are obviously advising now, but when you've been a non-March year-end, we always bring estimates of tax liabilities and you've had that much earlier. So when we come see June year-end, you know, if I'm going to see a June 22 year-end, I'm giving them tax liabilities for January and July 23 and January and July 24. Now you're going to be changing to a March year-end. You're going to have a much shorter time when you're going to be advised of those tax liabilities. So, you know, It's going to be getting accounts, everything organized. So you just need to be aware that if you're non-March year end, because you're going to be doing accounts to March, then there's a much shorter time frame of when we're going to be able to do accounts and advise you of what those tax liabilities are. Yeah
1: so I thought that was really useful Jenny so thank you and again some of the technical bits and bobs that Jen covered where she was using numbers etc the link in the description box will have a click through to it so just pull that up really useful and if you've enjoyed today's podcast please do like and subscribe and listen in for more so thank you very much Jenny and see you soon thank you Bye. bye
0: you have been listening to RBP's Accountancy on Prescription podcast For any updates, please visit www.rbp.co.uk or follow us on Twitter at rbpca. The contents of this podcast is for general guidance and informational purposes only and does not constitute any form of advice. The information provided by RBP is of a general nature. Appropriate and tailored advice or independent research should be obtained before making any decisions. RBP does not accept any liability for any loss or damage which is incurred from you acting or not acting as a result of listening to accountancy on prescription.